The road winds in the AFC North. Y'all know what it is. Walking your drop and take over your drop. 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 I hit the Mark Ingram. So you can do that when it's a video only. I mean, I'm sorry, actually, when it's audio only. <laughs> it's a deep cover podcast. If you couldn't tell, uh, you probably couldn't because we ain't had that baseline that you're used to. But we are back at you coming off of a Ravens win up there against them squealers. Uh, so, you know, that's always a tough place to go and play, a tough place to go and get a win. Ravens were able to get that done. And like I said, you know, you gotta you gotta you gotta play the bankroll fresh the two chains whenever you get your win on the road in the AFC North. Feels like every team has played it in the opposing team's locker room <laughs> after they get that win. And yeah, was there some bad dancing going on? Yeah, there probably was. By me, by me. I'm not talking about the, the team now. I'm going, I'm throwing it back to me. But you guys will never see it. Because this will be an audio only podcast. <laughs> and only Carrie and Chris <laughs> saw it. And that's enough. That was probably more than they wanted to see. So there it is. <laughs> it's good to be back, man. It's good to be back. We'll talk about this Steelers game. Um, kind of talk about the state of quarterback situation with the team. Maybe look a little forward to the Browns game coming up on Saturday. Uh, don't forget that. It's a Saturday game, not a Sunday game this week. So Saturday, 4 o'clock. Uh, set your clocks. Before we jump into everything, you know, I always like to check in with the fellas, Carrie and Chris. Carrie, I'll start with you. What's going on? Man, I'm I'm good, man. You know, glad to be with you guys. Glad for it to be after another win. Um, you know, that we were just talking about that tense moment um, that uh, Anthony um, Brown dropped back in the end zone, had me clinching and clutching everything, but it worked out. The win worked out, so you know I'll take it. Yeah, I was uh, full disclosure for everybody. I I I didn't watch this game live. I actually was out of town. Was in uh, actually in Ohio, so I was a little bit behind enemy lines. So I was uh, with some of my family up there. We were watching the Browns Bengals game. So I've really only seen very little bit of the Ravens um, on offense. I've seen all the defense, but a little bit on offense. So um, definitely leaning on. Carrie and Chris um, for their thoughts and their opinions on that game. And that just hearing that situation as people describe it, I was like, yeah, that had to be a pucker up kind of moment <laughs> with Anthony Brown coming in <laughs> backed up like that. And you see him throwing the ball. Um, Chris, man, what's going on with you? How you, how you been? I'm doing well, man. Uh, you know, happy we're getting together after a win and not a loss. Um, there were some times there where I was not so confident that it would be a win, but um, I'm I'm glad the Ravens came out on top, and uh, I'm ready to get into it. Yeah, always more fun to to podcast after a win, always. <laughs> so, um, you know, just puts everybody in a better mood. The whole vibe is better. Um, speaking of vibes, when we do something we haven't done in a while, we haven't we haven't done the, the vibe check segment in a while. You know what? Let's let's, let's go ahead and roll that. You just gotta keep it happy and keep the vibe 
bringing negative vibes you gotta go i'll start with you carrie probably hard to have any negative vibes coming out of this game what, what, what what's the vibe for you yeah man it's one of those things it's like i'm glad that we didn't venture down the road of you know uh snatching um defeat out of the jaws of victory you know you never know what this team you know <laughs> you know, the way things can transpire. So I'm glad, you know, we were on the other end of that. So I would say a, a, a relieved vibe. Um, this is a one of those teams that it, this season just feels so long and it just feels like it's so many different sections to it as far as the things they've had to go, go through, the injuries, the ups and downs and play. Um you're at this moment, they're nine and four. Um, I think I saw somebody tweet something out that they were like um, second in um, turnover differential. I mean, all these different things you see. Um, and they just had some really bad blown opportunities as far as losses. It, it just feels like everything on paper is telling you that this is a really good team but you're still kind of waiting for that other shoe to drop and still trying to figure out just how good of a team this is. So um, I would say a relieved uh, vibe more than anything, but just still kind of, again, waiting for that other shoe to drop, you know, but I'm somebody that's kind of impatient in that way. Um, I want to see the finished product. I want to be able to kind of write the story on this team right now. And that's not possible to do, but there's some things going on that, that that lead me into a direction of thinking this is a, a good team, but, you know, I'm trying to protect my heart. You know, I want to put my heart art there, you know, too, too much. So a uh, relief vibe, a uh, vibe of, um, you know, just, um, just kind of being cautious. Yeah. I don't blame you. I mean, I, I feel that a little bit too. I mean, I think, a lot of the fan base probably feels that a little bit where, you know, you, you're thinking about this team and then you think about the other top teams in the AFC, the Chiefs, the Bills, you know, the Dolphins, even though they've kind of slipped a little bit uh, recently. And you're wondering how they would match up with those teams because you're looking at how they've played recently and you're thinking, man, I don't that that's not going to be good enough. Um, <laughs> if you when it's time to match up against those teams, but you know, it's that week to week league thing because you could go out and have a game, they could go out and have a game, um, where they look like a dominant team, right? They, they come up against somebody on paper that they should dominate and then they go out there and dominate them, right? But then you could a week or two weeks later or even into the playoffs match up against one of these other top teams in the AFC and lay an egg. So you just never know for and, and it could work the other way. You know what I mean? You could kind of be going through struggles on offense as they have at time recently and then get to the playoffs and go against these top teams and and look like you're one of the other top teams in the league. Like you, you know, look like you belong. Play in a way that you're like, okay, well, this is what we were expecting them to be. You just never know. 
You just never know in the NFL from week to week what is going to be. Um, but I think people feel what you're feeling. I don't think you're alone in that. I think people kind of want to see that to give them that sense. Like, okay, yeah, we our record says we're one of those top three to four teams in the AFC, but we we want to also see it kind of on the field, kind of line up and match up. I think defensively that, that it kind of has been there in recent games, but offensively maybe you're still looking for a little bit more. Um, anyway, let me get out of the way of that. Chris, uh, what's the vibe you had coming out of this game? optimistic and I say that because we saw something that was reminiscent of 2019 and that was the O-line moving defenders off of the ball and us well us having running backs who can maximize those situations and Gus and Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins um, I think if we can get this run game going in the right direction, which it, it was, it, it kind of faltered a little bit the last few weeks prior to this game. And, you know, there have been games where um, we've had Kenny and Drake, you know, look good. Um, but for the most part, it's been in- inconsistent um, where – you know, it's mostly been Lamar being the leader rusher on the team. And, you know, that's all fine and dandy, but week to week, you know, I, I feel like it's better to have our running backs be the leaders of, of the rushing yards. Um, and if we can get back to that and have the O-line move guys off the ball the way they did on Sunday against Pittsburgh, I think it's going to be scary once Lamar gets back. Because we saw what he did with a run game in 2019. And if you can get J.K. healthy, Gus healthy, and get the O-line into that groove, I think they can cause some real damage, uh, especially against, you know, some of these top-tier teams who might not have the best defenses, where you can play defense with your offense. And then speaking of defense, another reason to be optimistic is the defense, they just, they didn't even have their best day in the secondary. Uh, you know, Marlowe, you know, he, you know, had quite a few rough patches. But then we see those rough patches. And when it mattered most, mainly from the linebackers and, you know, shout out to Marcus Williams, too, who gets a pick his first game back. But PQ and Roquan get two huge interceptions in the red zone. And if they don't get those interceptions, I'm not sure the Ravens win this game. And that's exactly what you pay this defense for. And I've been critical of that. You know, I, I've been very critical. Of, you know, in a big-time situation, the, the defense – doesn't come up and in those situations on on Sunday they did and I, I know the, the offense made some plays but for me the defense won those games won the game with those with those uh, turnovers so you know if they can do that against you know the top offenses in the league where you know 
you can do that against the Bengals and you can do that against the Bills. I, I think, you know, it's it's going to be tough sledding and the Ravens might not be a team that, that uh, you know, they're, they're not going to be a lot of teams that match up well against the Ravens if their defense can perform like that and the offensive line and, and running backs can, you know, put up 200 plus yards on the ground and sprinkle in Lamar there too. So it, it's, if they can just keep with this momentum, it, they're going to be a tough out. And, and I, I don't think there are a lot of teams that want to face them. No, we talked about it. Uh, I guess it's been a week or two ago now, that little crossroad show that we did. This is the way that John Harbaugh wants to play, right? <laughs> Control the ball with the run game. Defense hold the opposition down. I mean, they only allow 14 points. You know, he probably would want the passing game to be a little bit more complimentary than it was in this game. I mean, I think I'm looking at the numbers now. I think they completed 11 passes for 104 yards. So he he might want it to, to you know, contribute a little bit more than it did. But honestly, I don't know. I don't know if he even would want that. I think if you said, hey, if you're going to run for 200 yards, the defense is going to hold the Steelers to 14 points and get three takeaways. He'd probably say, hey, yeah, but, but you know, you're only going to throw it for 100 yards, a little over 100 yards. I think he'd say, hey, so what? I'll take that because <laughs> I do think that that's really the way that he wants to play games. Uh, not so much the numbers, but just, you know, controlling the game. Like I said, with, um, you know, by running the ball, defense, getting stops, getting turnovers and, uh, you know, passing game, kind of getting in where you fit in. Um, it's It's been a point of contention, you know, among Ravens fans for a while now because you look around and, you see what's happening with other passing games and the players they have. And also just, you know, some of the things that have happened in the playoffs and you think you got to play a different kind of way, but this is the way that they want to play. And like I said, you can, you can not agree with it, but you can never say they don't have a plan <laughs> because this is their plan. <laughs> Whether you think it's a good plan or the right plan, you know, all of that stuff can be debated, but, uh, you can never say that they don't have one. And I'm actually comfortable with that because I think there are other teams that you can look at and you can say that. You can say, I'm not sure they have a plan. I'm not sure they have a clear identity of who they want to be and how they want to play. You know, it sort of changes from week to week. And it's like they're just grasping at stuff, trying to find what works in the, in a given you know week, in a given situation. Whereas the Ravens, I mean, I think – they pretty clearly show you who they want to be on offense and defense. Uh, but, you know, as we all have the right to do as fans, we, we may not necessarily agree with how they do it. Uh, so that's, that's, that's part of it, right? That's, that's yeah. part of being a fan. And <laughs> there, 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 was a, there was a guy on the other team that was kind of rubbing that in our, in our face hmm. on the other side. Who was that? Uh, Mr. Pickens. Oh, uh, yeah, that was that was kind of hard to watch. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's just weird because you see how he's playing and you see he's giving them trouble and nope, I think Chris, you cut out on us. You might be listening to that tank song right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, there you go. I caught back. that part. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's back. Uh, no, and you know, as a lot of people know, I was part of that crowd that wanted George Pickens too. And, uh, you know, he put it on full display uh, why, you know, so many people were clamoring for him and, and why they thought he would fit in this offense. But, um, hey, you know, it is what it is. We got Ojabo. They got picking. So can't cry over spilled milk. And, hey, let me let me play devil's advocate for a minute since I didn't see the game. I saw the highlight of his catch, right? It's 42 yards. Did he really do much other than that 42-yard catch? Well, he had uh, three three targets and three catches. Okay. Uh, so they they just stopped throwing the ball to him. They didn't target him at all after that. And they it seemed like they wanted to pick on uh, Marlon. Because hmm. then Deontay Johnson got in on the action too. So it, it was a rough day for Marlon. I saw downfield Deontay had a couple plays in there. Uh, and Marlon said that. I did hear that. Uh, I saw that on Twitter after the game that, you know, he said it was a rough game for him. And, you know, when I saw that one, though, that pick and throw, I was like, okay, that's a back shoulder throw. And Denard talked about this when we were doing fires on the other day. He said, you know, when you switch quarterbacks, that actually is really tough on defense because you prepare for a certain guy all week. And then another guy comes in and defensively, some of the things that you thought um, you were going to be able to take away or some of the ways you thought you could play that would give you an advantage over the guy who was the starter might have to switch up now. And he kind of talked about what well, we kind of talked about that play where he said, look, had Kenny Pickett shown that he was going to be throwing back shoulder balls down the field to George Pickens. No, it, let it just say hypothetical. I mean, we, not like we sitting in their room watching film with them, but say hypothetically, they didn't see a lot of that or maybe any of it. And so maybe as a corner, you're thinking, well, if I stay on top of these guys, that's really where I can get hurt. He's not going to come back underneath. He hasn't shown that. And so maybe you're playing on top a little bit more because that's the throw that you're more worried about. Now here comes Mitch, money-making Mitch comes in, <laughs> double agent, throwing these back shoulder balls, and you know you get called on one. So, I mean, I, I think that that happens, but it sounds like you're saying that, you know, it wasn't just that. He, Marlon, had probably some other issues in the game as well, which I did see the defense. So, I mean, I know, you know there, was, there was some other there was some other balls in there that, you know, he had a penalty on one down there in the red zone, which, I mean, I guess that's a penalty, but. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, that was a Fugazi call. That was not a penalty. <laughs> Hey, that's the way he plays, man. He gets his hands on people, and he's physical with them. And, you know, you've got a right to, in that five-yard box, you know, you've got a right to fight for space as much as the receiver does. So, I don't know. I'm always, Of course, I'm always going to be biased towards the DB in that situation. Um, but I guess, I, I guess it wouldn't, like they say, when they make the call, then it's the right call, whether you agree with it or you don't agree with it. Once it's made, that's it. You know, they're not going. They're not going to go back and yeah. <laughs> and change it. <laughs> so it is what it is. But um, you know, that's the kind of thing where I think you expect him to be to to bounce back. You know, he certainly oh, has yeah. had a good season overall this year. Definitely a bounce back season, I would say. Um, you know, coming off last year and the injury, um, 
Now, the guy on the other side, some people might tell you they have a few more concerns about MP. Um, but, you know, we've talked about it before. I, I still think, especially after I read that article that Logan Murdoch did on him, that, you know, the injury and the recovery from that injury probably still having some sort of impact on him. And, you know, he talked about in that article, like second guessing himself, feeling like, you know, I know the answers to the test, but for whatever reason, I'm picking an answer and then erasing it and picking a different answer. <laughs> so, you know, he's got the the physical part of the recovery as well as the psychological part of it. And um, I think that's kind of been a factor uh, for him at times throughout this year. But I think we all kind of agree that he's still got big plays to be made in him. And I think that there's still an opportunity to, to see some of that, especially when, you know, the, it's nut cutting time, right? You get into these games where you've got to have it and these big games. You can just see certain guys turn up for certain games. You could definitely see me, Denar and I talked about this too. You could certainly see that with Calais Campbell. He was turned up to another level in this game, yeah. and not just because he blocked the kick, just he just knows, you know what I mean? It's, it's Steelers. He knows what that means. He knows what that represents. It's a division game. It's late yeah. in the season, and he just cranked it up to a different level. Yeah, we saw that with him in the. the playoff game versus the Titans. You know, he he was the the lead guy as far as, you know, getting these dudes amped up and and really leading the charge to take pride in and stop Derrick Henry. And, and we we saw that. I mean, we saw that with guys who aren't really big contributors when, you know, you see Malik Harrison was, you know, that's probably one of his best games of his career. And uh that's just the kind of the kind of pull and that that leadership and you know we see that right now with, with uh roquan too where you can't really quantify that but you you feel it you know you feel the energy that these dudes have elevate other players around them and uh you know calais like you said he was definitely in that zone on sunday and that excites me too particularly on the defense side of the ball that they have guys like that who you know can and and do turn up to different levels in big games. We talked about Calais. You have these vets like JPP, like Justin Houston, <laughs> you know, like Marcus Peters. You have these vets who have been playmakers throughout their careers, and you know that they got another level. You mentioned that Titans game. We saw Purnell. We saw McPhee in that game turn yep. up to like old school, you know, Purnell, McPhee. These vets, man, they just know how to go to that different level in the playoffs. They understand the difference in terms of the level of intensity in the playoffs versus the regular season. And they know how to turn it up and get to that level. So I'm kind of excited actually that they have even more of those guys um, now who, who have the ability to do that. And there was an article about Roquan. I think it came out today in the athletic, I think Dan Pompey wrote, it was either today or it might be yesterday actually. Um, but you know, there's a bunch of good stuff in there. You should definitely go check it out if you have not But one of the things in there, speaking of his effect was, uh, something Eric DaCosta was quoted as saying was he called him a force multiplier, similar to the way that Marcus Peters was when they traded for him in 2019. He was like, those guys, when they come in with their energy and with their ability to make plays, it's it's a force multiplier. Like you said, it has a, a ripple effect on the rest of the, that side of the ball, really on the rest of the team um, when they come in and, and make the plays that they make and bring the energy that they bring. So, that's going to be an interesting one to play out too. I mean, we don't have to get into it now because we still got season left to play, but you know, I think everybody's kind of got those thoughts 
in the back of their mind, what are they going to do with Roquan? What are they going to do with PQ? They're going to exercise his option, you know, uh, all of those things. Obviously, Lamar is the biggest domino uh, that has to fall in all of that. Um, but there's there's going to be plenty of time for all of that. We we still in the season, still trying to get this seating, still still trying to win the division first and foremost, and then you know, kind of see where you where you stack up in the playoffs, and then hopefully get in, and then uh, you know make a run. But I, I, it, I, I like to add a little something on there since we just just yes, light lightly touching on the future. Yeah, touch it, touch it. <laughs> I, I would I wouldn't mind seeing JPP on this team next year. Hmm. Because he is like, yeah, man. I, I did not expect this level of play from him. Full grown man. He's just on a on another level right now, and that I was I was skeptical of the signing. I, I wasn't expecting much, you know. He just came off major sur- surgery, um, you know. Had it didn't have a, a ramp up to the season, so I was not expecting someone to come in and and play the way that he's been playing, and he's. All around, probably been the best pass rusher that they have. I mean, I, I know Justin Houston has the numbers, but just as far as run defending and rushing the passer, um, he's been so disruptive. And uh, you know, hats off to them, hats off to him because that was a a key key signing in my opinion. And and I think. You know, if he keeps this up for the rest of the season, I don't see why you don't try to bring him back if you can. The run defense is what really caught my eye. Like, I kind of, you know, I didn't follow the Bucks super closely, but um, I had this impression of him as a guy who was still an effective pass rusher. Obviously, you go back to his days with the Giants, you knew what kind of rusher he was in. But I, I kind of just had that impression, and probably because I didn't follow the Bucks. Maybe he was this kind of run defender there too, and it was just my lack of following them um, that caused me not to see it. But since he's been here, that man just manhandles tight ends. I mean, you can't you can't block him with a tight end um, on the edge because <laughs> he'll either just set the edge and hold that firm and force the ball to go back inside. Sometimes he'll come off and he'll make the tackle when the ball goes back inside. It very rarely gets around his edge. You know, it might go to the other side sometimes, but it very rarely gets around him when he's on an edge um, just because of how firmly he sets it out there. And so that really kind of has stood out to me. Like I said, maybe that's my lack of knowing kind of what his game was even before he came here. But I was like, wow, this this guy really plays the run. Uh, I did not anticipate that. So um, like you said, that's that's really been – a good thing and um it gives them that rotation you know what i mean once all these guys started coming back to have him to have away to have houston to have bowser not to mention the guys on the interior of the d-line you really get a nice rotation with that group mm-hmm. right now so you can always have fresh rushers out there you can always have fresh run defenders out there and everybody is contributing you know there's there's not really in in, in my mind um a weak link per se. I mean, I wouldn't call Travis Jones a weak link because he's been making some plays of his own too. He just has the least experience of the group because he's a rookie. Um, but, you know, everybody out there is bringing something. My man Broderick Washington, mm. Brent Urban, you know, we know about Matabike and Campbell. I mean, everybody is bringing something in that group. So 
it's probably a big reason why they've been so good against the run. I know part of it is level of competition. Obviously, the teams they've played over the last four or five games, a little bit different than some of the teams they were playing to start the season. Um, but like we talked about before, if there's a team and everybody says, hey, look at their record, look at their personnel, you should be able to dominate them, then, hey, if they're bad, treat them like they're bad. <laughs> you know, that's what I always say. <laughs> and, it, and they've been able to do that on the defensive side of the ball against the run for sure. Um, those numbers are kind of crazy. I think uh, Jonas Schaefer, who writes, who writes for the uh, Baltimore Sun, tweeted out some of those numbers uh, in terms of how good they've been against the run. And it's it's pretty wild, actually. You don't see stuff like that very often. I think one of them, he was saying on, on some of these third down runs, guys aren't even getting back to the line of scrimmage. On the opposing team so it's been it's been pretty impressive uh and the linebackers are part of that too you mentioned it chris already with roquan and pq and even the secondary guys like chuck and and gino when he was in there and you see difference marcus williams make when he's sure. back there he he's the eraser wasted, wasted <laughs> he, no time yeah coming one-handed just coming here just one hand and interceptions one arming interceptions you know because he's still got that big thing on his wrist over there yeah, he wasn't even uh, attempting to do anything with that hand because there was a play towards the sideline where he ran somebody out of bounds. And when he went to push them, he only pushed them with, with one hand. He he didn't even make an attempt to use that other hand. So you know that that thing is still not – he's still not fully comfortable with that, that wrist just yet. I mean, I guess I should have saw it with – they released Mike Williams early. I mean, not Mike Williams, Mike Davis. I got Mike Williams on my fantasy team, and I'm thinking that I got that on my mind. Uh, Mike Davis, mm-hmm. when they released him earlier in the week, um, that there was probably going to be a move with either Marcus Williams or J.K., but I honestly didn't expect either one of those guys to play earlier in the week going into this game. I was like, well, I heard they have been practicing, but they haven't been activated back to the 53-man yet. It was getting close, but I was like, you know, maybe they're another week away or so. And then when I saw they both were playing, I was like, all right, we, we're starting to get the fully loaded battleship here. You know, it's, it's, it's close. <laughs> Add in Ronnie on that, too. And it's like, yeah. damn, those are three huge, huge contributors. Yeah, it's almost like when you get pro bowl, all pro type players. <laughs> you know, your team is better. <laughs> can make a little Shocker. bit of a difference. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> it actually can be better when you get those kinds of guys back. So... Uh, you know, uh, we maybe we should be GMs. It's that simple. It's all you and have it, to do. And <laughs> I, I, I don't want to j- jump around too much, but um, yeah, I want to give major credit to um, uh, Tristan Cologne or okay. Castillo, whatever his name is. Last yeah, name is just now. Cologne. I think we just Cologne. Castillo. Okay, so uh, Cologne and and Ben Cleveland, give it up to Squirrel Boy. You know mm. those two dudes. You know they got an opportunity. And, you know, to fill in for what I think is a pro bowler, was going to be a pro bowler mm-hmm. this season with yeah. Kevin Zeitler. What's that way? So, um, and those two dudes, they came in, you know, big game on the road uh, against a nasty defensive line. And they played well. They played really well. And they actually gave me some, some hope for the guard uh, position next season. So, um, major props to those dudes. And see, okay, so don't, this is not you. This is, this is me. Everybody can blame me for jumping around because I've been carrying this stump around with me uh, recently, so I'm going to set it down and stand on top of it again. 
uh, <laughs> because you mentioned those two guys. Again, it's another part of the plan that you can see. You may not like individual players, or you may like them, but it's another part of the plan that you can see. And we can take this all the way back to 2018, right? Ronnie predates that. He was already here, so I exclude him for a minute. Take Orlando Brown Jr., right? And think about from night from 18 to now, all these different guard, guard slash center type guys that they've taken. Again, might not like certain guys, but they've taken a number of these different guys. Some of them have developed. I mean, we saw what happened with Bradley Bozeman. He kind of developed, became a starting center, got paid, um, you know, went to another team. We've seen this before, going back to Ryan Jensen, same type of thing. We're seeing it again now with Ben Powers, guy who kind of had a hard time cracking the lineup first couple of years, gets in, and is just solid, just a solid, dependable dude. Um, nobody's saying he's, you know, all pro or anything like that. So I'm, I want people to be like, oh, you know, he, he he's caping for Ben Powers. No, just a solid, dependable oh, yeah, dude. But you can play well. Yeah, he's yeah, playing but well. Can, so, but you can just see the plan. So I'm, I'm just back on that stump again when we talk about the team building aspect of, of, you know, we're having these conversations and weapons and have they done enough for Lamar? You can see the plan. I talked about yesterday with uh, Denard about the first round pick receivers and then later round pick receivers and second round running backs and tight ends. I'm just saying <laughs> it is really hard for me to look at all of those things and say, there hasn't been any effort to try to build this team up on offense in particular. We can talk about defense too, but on offense in particular around Lamar free agent conversation. I think I told y'all in our chat earlier, I think you can, you can, you can have a debate about some of that, but there's so much of that that you don't know. You don't know about the deals that could have been, would have been, should have been, you know, same thing with trades. So that's a little bit, more difficult for me because I know people will look at that and say, well, they could have signed this guy. Look at this team. They traded for AJ Brown and look at this. team." I, I get all of that. I'm just saying it's a little bit harder for me to beat them up on that because of the level of unknowns mm -hmm. in terms of what they may have tried to do that, that didn't work out for, for whatever reason. But when you just look at the draft, it is really difficult for me to be on that side of they haven't done enough because you know, whether it's the skill positions, whether it's the offensive line, you just look at it and you're like, okay, maybe I didn't like Ben Cleveland, right? Coming out of the draft. Maybe I didn't like this player. Maybe I didn't like that player. But they took guards. <laughs> they took interior players, you know. And so uh, they took tackles. You know, how do you feel about Orlando, Orlando Brown Jr. wanting to leave, right? You can, you can feel however you want to feel about that. Well, he didn't like the offense or he wanted to be paid like a left tackle, whatever. They took a guy who became while he was here, one of the, the better young tackles in the league. So, all right, I'm going I'm to step back off the stump. <laughs> I'm going to keep carrying it with me uh, just because I feel real strongly about that particular point. Um, yeah. And, and what you're saying is the attempt to, that's it. That's you're not saying that it, it, like it worked you're not saying that but you're saying the attempt because i i think that's the important thing where <laughs> that people gloss over and and we were saying that in the chat a little earlier today whereas the attempt was there now 
the did it work part, that's a whole different conversation. But there are folks saying that they haven't attempted at all, which is false. Right. You can you can certainly have the did it work conversation because at the end of the day, that's that's how all this stuff gets judged. Production, how guys perform on the field. So I'm not trying to exclude that. I'm not saying don't talk about that part. But when you think about it from a draft and development perspective, you don't know. <laughs> You're picking these guys based on what you see in terms of traits, in terms of their personality, in terms of medical injury kind of history. And like Mike, like Mike T has said, that's what coaches get paid for. We're paying you to develop these guys. As a GM and a scouting staff, we're going to identify talent. And, I mean, we're going to identify talent. We're going to identify traits and the kind of people we want here. Here you go. Now it's up to you to develop these guys, you know, and get them to reach their full potential. So, yeah, you can you can talk about Hollywood and did that work out, um, you know, as, as well as it could have. And the, the Greg Roman factor in that, uh, the Lamar Jackson factor in that, because you can't completely absolve Lamar, um, the Hollywood Brown factor in that. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, every Everybody that played a role in why maybe some things didn't go um, the way that everybody was hoping them to, or was it fully maximized, you know, Bateman with the injuries? Sure. So like I'm saying, you can, I don't want people to feel like, oh, it's all about, all he wants to focus on is what they tried to do. What about what actually happened? No, we can talk about that too. That's all good. And, you know, there's parts of that that, yeah, haven't been good enough. That's facts. But I look at it, I know I tend to skew maybe a little bit more towards the the selection side of it. And I'm like, well, look, <laughs> we've identified these guys and we pick these guys. Here you go. You know, coaches make a lot of money. It's time for you to do something with it. And, you know, I think that they certainly have. We talked about it with Powers and some of the other guys. Uh, Josh Oliver. You'll get that guy for a seventh-round pick. People didn't even think he was going to make the team coming into the camp this year. <laughs> and not only does he make the roster, but he basically makes – um, Nick Boyle expendable. So, mm. you know, that's to me, that might be one of the, the brightest examples of developing a guy on the roster, right? Now. I mean, there are other guys for sure, but I certainly, and now, you know, of course, I love to pat myself on the back at every opportunity. Y'all know that. Uh, yeah, I had him on the roster. <laughs> Let's go back and check the tape. Sure, I had him on the roster, but it wasn't because it wasn't because I thought he was going to develop into the kind of player he's been this year. I was like, well, uh, Kohler is out and, you know, they might just have Oliver as kind of some insurance until he comes back. Plus I just, you and I and, and Chris and even Carrie, you know, we talked about, it. I just never felt right about Boyle playing late in some of those preseason games. <laughs> I was like, this just don't feel right. Something ain't right about that. If he's supposed to be the dude that we always knew him to be, wouldn't be out there in the last preseason game in the fourth quarter playing. Hell no. <laughs> so just didn't feel right about it. so yeah it's, it's a very light pat on the back i'm not saying i knew anything about what kind of player oliver was gonna turn into it was more of a numbers situational kind of thing um but again just another example of hey we'll go out and acquire a, a player with traits now it's up to you guys to develop him. and you know kudos to the coaching staff and most importantly you know Credit to Josh Oliver. I mean, it always starts with the player. And 
you know, what they were able to do in terms of developing themselves and turning themselves into a more effective player. Yeah. And then she, uh, shout out, shout out to Ben Powers' dad too. Financial. Ben Powers, financial, daddy powers, <laughs> financial, who, you know, and we've had some mixed relationships with, you know, a variety of us. Sometimes we're good. Sometimes we're blocked. Then we're good again. You know, it's been up and down a little bit like, you know, his, like Ben's ride <laughs> with the Ravens. It's been up and down, but it has stabilized this year for sure. Yeah. And oh, yeah. I think Harbaugh even mentioned it. One of the recent pressers, like you got, he was talking to the, you know, the, beat guys you guys never talk about Ben powers you guys never ask me about ben powers, which is typically a good thing only for an offensive line if you're not hearing anything about them usually means they're doing their job yeah so, and it's it's been so great to see because you know the guard position for the last few years it's just been a revolving door of of players you know ever since yonder left and now to have you know go through the full season with those three interior guys there and you know it's I mean I, I know Zeitler missed this game but that's like his first game missed you know in 10 years so uh, to have those three guys just be a stabilizing force has been been a nice change up for for us Ravens fans who have had to see the the revolving door at at all all of those interior spots. That's another great point too because that's another factor in the effectiveness of the running game as well. Not just having JK and Gus back healthy, that's huge, obviously. Just talked about that. Shocker when you get good players back, play better. But when an offensive line group can play together, uh, as many games practice together, you know, as much as these guys have, then they develop that chemistry where it becomes like an unspoken thing. You know, right. we don't even have to necessarily use verbal communication about how we're going to handle certain situations, how we're going to block certain things, even when we get a reaction from the defense that maybe we didn't anticipate. But because we've played together so much and we have so much cohesion, we can just pick it up on the fly. I kind of know what you're going to do. You kind of know what I'm going to do. And that makes a huge difference versus guys who haven't worked together a ton. And you're really unsure of what's going to happen. You know, guy spikes inside. Who's going to, am I going to take him? Are you going to take him? Do I stay on this while you go off on the linebacker? You know, all of that stuff just develops over time when you've worked with, you know, group. And that really helps the run game because then that clears things up for the running backs. You know, when when we can be really consistent up front and how we handle the defensive line and linebackers or secondary guys coming down, then that clears up things for the running back so that they can see things and make cuts. And it just has a domino effect, man. That stuff is so tied together in the run game um, so intricately that you can often take it for granted. But when you know, we go back to 2019 all the time, and I'm going to continue to. I don't give what y'all say. I'm going to keep going back to 2019 as much as I want. I don't care. But you saw when an offensive line played together as long as that group did, you know, before um, Skur was injured later in the season, you know, just how effective they were able to be in the run game. So it makes a huge difference, man. And so I hope this group can continue to play together the way they did. And then, you know, 
when you do have injuries, which are part of the game, to have guys like we started this whole little, little topic with Cologne and Ben Powers. I'm uh, sorry, uh, Cleveland, Ben Cleveland coming in and being able to kind of keep keep the ship afloat until Zeitler comes back. That's just gravy. That's icing mm-hmm. on the cake right there when, you know, those guys can step in and do that the way that they did against a, a good defensive front, you know, good defense in the Steelers too. It's not like this was, you know, any group of slappies out there. So yeah. <laughs> on the road, good defense on the road against a division rival. Yeah, it's big time. It's big time. Um, I know one other thing you wanted to touch on, Chris. So we, we can talk about that now unless you guys got anything else Um on that front, it's still staying in this game, but I guess it's it's, it's looking to kind of use it as a springboard, look a little bit for it. Um, the quarterback position, you know, you guys, I don't have to tell you, obviously you watch the game, uh, know that Snoop got dinged up in this one, was in concussion protocol. Anthony Brown had to come in, um, kind of help close out this win and, and seal it. Um, we'll just kind of kick it around, uh, and I'll start with you, Kerry. Um, just kind of your general thoughts on the quarterback situation moving forward as they get ready to play this game against the Browns and, and maybe even a little bit beyond if you think, you know, there's a possibility to to get even beyond that. Because I guess we don't really have any new updates on Lamar other than, you know, he just continues not to be ready to practice yet dealing with that PCL injury. Um, what are your thoughts, Kerry, about this uh, state, if you will, <laughs> of the Ravens quarterback situation? Yeah, I mean – Obviously, just hopeful that, you know, we can get Snoop back this week. He really is the the perfect kind of complement for where they're trying to go um, with the direction of his offense. You know, we can talk until we're blue in the face as far as kind of de- the deficiencies we see in a passing game and some of the things big picture-wise we would like to see going forward. But as far as right now, the now, this team needs to – um, winning the line of scrimmage, um, you know, be able to run the ball well, uh, control the clock, and have a quarterback that's efficient, that can make timely throws, make a few plays in the passing game when needed, um, and just kind of keep everything on schedule. And, I mean, uh, if you looked up keep everything on schedule in the dictionary, you're going to see Snoop. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to see Snoop's face, uh, you know, staring staring at you right there because that's what he does, you know, just – keep everything on schedule. Um, but, you know, he has the athleticism to go out there and make plays um, with his legs as well. Um, so, you know, just going to be on uh, this offense to kind of keep moving in the right direction. Hopefully the health, you know, first and foremost, you know, get Zeitler back, keep Ronnie out there, you know, keep the cohesion of that group together. And, you know, like Chris pointed out, uh, seeing this offensive line move people like they did in this last game um, was a good thing to see. And hopefully that continues going forward uh, because it's going to be necessary. Uh, you know, we can look at this wide receiver group and look at how they're kind of deployed within this scheme. And, you know, let's just keep it a bug. Just call it what it is. It's not really a great match right now. So, what it's going to require is um, the plan, like you said, there's a plan there. And not that this isn't like Ravens, like football. For this team to really make a run, 
they're going to kind of have to go at it like the Titans go go about it. Uh, you know, come out, stop the run, run the ball, shorten the game, get a couple big plays in the passing game, and do what they do. And that's that's going to have to be the Ravens formula. You know, get a, get a couple, you know, whether it's a big um, Deshaun Jackson, um, you know, shot downfield, you know, timely plays from Mark Andrews, whatever it is. Got to get a few of those a game and got to be able to control the clock uh, and, you know, control things with the running game. And seeing Gus and J.K. Um, out there healthy again, well, as healthy as you, you can be, you know, considering what they had to deal with injury-wise, seeing them ramp back up, um, you know, was great to see. And, um, you know, my hat's off to, to J.K., um, because clearly you saw that big that big run he had. You can you can clearly see he's not all there, um, you know, physically. But man, just talk about a guy that just looked like he was born to play running back. You know, the way that he moves, the way that he sees things. Uh, you know, avoiding negative runs, running with power, running with decisiveness, like all those things. You know, it was just refreshing to see that. And that's no knock on Drake and some of the guys that have um, played in the last few weeks. But you can just see it's just different with J.K. Um, and that's from a perspective of a guy that isn't even 100% what he normally is. And so seeing that and then seeing Gus shuffle in there and not getting a drop off, knowing that you're going to see positive runs, Knowing that you're going to see guys run through contact, um, you know it, it's it, it's exciting to see. So you know the, the hope is that all of that kind of leads the way, and the quarterback, you know whether that's Snoop, um, and then eventually Lamar uh, can go out there and just make the timely play. You know, bring it with their legs because we know they do that, and how that affects. Um, how they're defended, you know, with those edge defenders having to kind of, um, you know, ease up a bit because of that threat. Uh, but again, just figure out ways to to make timely plays in the passing game, um, win the turnover battle, uh, you know, all those things, all those cliche things that, you know, get a little dull or get a little mundane. Um, the way this team is structured, that's what it's going to require for them to make a run. So, um, you know, that's what I'm looking at from the, from the quarterback position. I mean, that's the part that I think we all just have to be realistic about. You certainly uh, hit every point there and uh, yeah. hit the nail on the head. Like this is the way that they have to play. And I really like the Titans comp. Um, because I, I think it's similar. I think even the coaching style a little bit, when you think about um, Harbaugh and you think about Mike Vrabel, just similar like approach philosophically to the game. You said we want to be good on defense. We want to stop the run. We want to run the ball, like dominantly run the ball. <laughs> and then, you know, hit some plays in the passing game, take our shots when we can, but really just try to be efficient overall. And, you know, it's not, the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of, you know, the way uh, that some teams play. It's not Bills, it's not Chiefs, 
you know, it's not the Eagles right now, even though it kind of is the Eagles because the Eagles run the hell out of the ball. And <laughs> so kind of is in some way, but they, they, they probably hit some, maybe some more splash plays in the passing game than, than the Titans right now. Um, certainly right now, since Mike Vrabel was like, who, <laughs> who would we even throw it to? Uh, <laughs> 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 but even back when they had AJ Brown, um, you know, they'd hit some of those, those kind of splash plays from time to time. And, you know, we, we've seen it with some of the guys that they have, like you said, it's, you know, you gotta be real about the uh, group of pass catchers the Ravens have right now, but we've seen Deshaun Jackson just in his short time, get down the field and do what he does, you know, in that Jacksonville game, catch a deep ball. Um, we've seen Demarcus Robinson several times. Who's, who's really been a pleasant surprise, um, you know, making some clutch catches getting some yards after the catch, seeing Isaiah likely, you know, contribute, getting some yards after the catch, you know, Devin Dubernay making, you know, contested catches earlier in the season, hadn't seen it as much, um, you know, more recently, but, you know, obviously he showed the ability to do that. So, you know, and of course, you know what you have in Mark Andrews. So I think it's there. I think they've got the ingredients to be efficient in the passing game. Like I said, it's not going to look, like other passing games this never was designed to plus you have uh chris's friend calling the plays so there's that factor <laughs> that factor is always going to be present and you just never know it's going to be a mixed bag you're going to have games where you kind of left scratching your head about what g rose doing and then you'll have some other games where you're like hey why don't we do this all the time you just kind of never know with him uh, but I think you've got some of the ingredients where, you know, if they continue to contribute in those ways in the passing game, obviously we know about the running game and what it can be. And just think about getting a guy like JK, a guy with JK's ability and talent, getting him back with fresh legs, gradually getting healthier at this point in the season, this late in the season, you know, when most other running backs, they're on the opposite end. Of, the, of that equation, <laughs> you know, because they've been playing the bulk of the season and kind of shouldering the load. He's coming in fresh. Him and Gus, to some extent. I know Gus has played a little bit more than J.K. since he came back, but I'd make an argument of both guys, you know, fresher than what they would have been, you know, um, if they had played earlier in the season and, and all season long. We'd love to have them, of course, but, you know, just didn't play out that way. So it's kind of nice. Um to kind of have them coming back into that situation. So anyway, that's my interjection. Chris, uh, what do you think about the the quarterback situation right now and, you know, kind of your thoughts on it moving forward through the these remaining four games? Um, I, I think it, it all it all hinges on the run game. Um, if they're able to just line up and be able to push defenders off the ball the way that they did in, in Pittsburgh, um, I, I think they'll be just fine these next couple of weeks without Lamar. Uh, if you could lean on a run game like that and have, you know, Tyler Huntley not make mistakes, but also, you know, make the throws that he needs to make in order to stay ahead of the chains and, and not put them in, in negative situations, which is basically that's what you're counting on him to do. You're not counting on him to go, you know, throw for 300 yards. You're not counting on him to make the big splash plays. You're counting on him to be steady and not turn the ball over. And if the run game is going and he can 
provide that kind of QB play along with the, the defense just being able to dominate. And, you know, when you look at the next two offenses that are coming to town, you got the Browns, then you got the Falcons who be starting uh, Desmond Ritter, who, you know, he's getting his first start this week. So he's facing the Ravens, his second game of the second game of his career. So um, those look like two games that uh, the Ravens defense could have a huge impact on. Um, not the best run defenses. So um, I, I think they they can hold their own. And uh, Tyler Huntley, I think he could he could just do enough to, you know, make sure that the Ravens are able to 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 win these games and, and do his part and not not make those mistakes and, and be that game manager. And uh, you know, I'm I'm confident in that. And maybe that's, you know, looking at it through purple glasses, but I mean the Browns and, and Falcons aren't you know aren't really teams that, that scare us. Well that scare me uh, as far as you know, oh, how are we going to do this on offense? Oh, how are we going to do this on? How are we going to stop them on defense? They they don't really have that. You know, they're they're missing their most dynamic player. Well, um, talking about the Falcons, they're missing their most dynamic player in Kyle Pitts. They weren't even using him to begin with. <laughs> and then um, Cleveland, you know, Deshaun Jackson. He, uh, you said it. You mentioned it before we started recording, and this is pretty much his preseason and. It looks like it. Uh, he's not playing like, you know, Deshaun Watson, the Texans, Deshaun Watson. Um, and then you know what they want to do on offense. You know, they want to run the ball. And with the way the Ravens' defensive uh, line and their front seven has been playing, um, I don't see this as a, a get-right game for their run game after struggling last week against the Bengals. So, um, yeah, I think they can hold the fort down, and hopefully in a couple weeks uh, this team can get Lamar back uh, for the next game against Pittsburgh. And then, you know, the what's the, the looming game, the one that, that looks like it, it might be for the AFC North Championship, uh, and it just seems like they're on a collision course, is, is that Bengals game. So hopefully these guys can hold down the fort uh you know, most likely going to be Tyler Huntley, but in case it isn't, Anthony Brown. And uh, just hold the fort down until Lamar gets back, and, and hopefully that's in, in two weeks. Yeah, and they've, you know, that that Bengals game is the one um, that I'm really hopeful that they have Lamar back for. I mean, obviously I'd, I'd love for him to be back before that too, but I really hope they have him back for that game. But even thinking about that one, I mean, they won the first matchup early this season. I mean, yeah, they were at home and it was close. Um, they didn't have Bateman in that game. That was one of those games where we really felt like, hey, okay, nice game for Devin DuVernay. Really like his usage. Uh, really like how they featured him. We're going to see this moving forward. And then we, we never saw it again. <laughs> but, but maybe maybe it's something about the Bengals. Who knows? Maybe when they play the Bengals again, they say, you know what? This is a Devin DuVernay game. Let's do that all over again and see if we can get similar results. Um, but I don't did no, they still had Chase. Chase was in that game. He wasn't hurt yet at that point. Um, so I want I was looking back because I was just trying to think, okay, did they kind of have their full, you know, stockpile? I don't know if T. Higgins played in that game or if he went out early in that game. I'm not sure. Um, 
but they they faced the Bengals, you know, some somewhat, you know, full strength back then. Um, neither team were were because yeah, I don't know that T played in that game. I'm not seeing anything for him. I'd have to go back and look at his snap count. Um, but they probably weren't at full strength. But even either were the Ravens, and you know, so that was a really close game. So I like the chances um, matching up with the Bengals, particularly if Lamar plays, obviously. Um, but then you know you can't can't get the cart too too far ahead of the, of the horse. You mentioned those other games that um, you know they have to play and and beat those teams. Uh, yeah, T Higgins only played ten snaps in that game, so yeah, he he probably was injured. And he's, um, he's hurt again. Yeah, yeah. It was, I I saw that in that Browns game. I said you know he virtually didn't play. Tyler Boyd didn't play. Hayden Hurst didn't play. Um, and uh, yeah. Trey Hendrickson Hendrickson got hurt too. He broke his wrist. So he he's probably out for a couple of weeks unless you know he's some kind of maniac and he he tried. They said he played the whole fourth quarter with it broken. So <laughs> maybe yeah. he's some kind of maniac that's going to say, "Hey, just put one of those big old like ball casts on there and just go out there and continue to play." If anybody would strike me as that kind of guy, he definitely seems like that kind of guy. Um, but it's 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 a, a very comforting thing to have a guy like Snoop, you know, you guys both mentioned it, who you know can operate the offense, who can be efficient. And, you know, him getting those games at the end of last year, really big for him, you know, now being in a similar situation again. So it's not like it's the first time that it's happening. You know, he's he's been out there. He's been in real game action. He's played some some good teams. And like we talked about before, kept them in pretty much all the games that he started, you know, from, from in terms of operating the offense. So, you know, Denar mentioned yesterday, he said this, it kind of reminds him of the 2000 team in terms of the offense, not the defense, obviously. <laughs> it's one of the greatest defenses <laughs> of all time. It's a very good defense, but that's a historic defense. But he said the offense, you know, particularly when they went, they went through that stretch where it was all about masked over. Like they weren't scoring any touchdowns. It was masked over just kicking field goals. And that's how they were winning games. But when you have a defense who you know can come to you and say, "Hey, get us ten points and we'll win the game," <laughs> you can you can play that way. But just in terms of the formula, is the point he was kind of making, and Kerry pretty much echoed it. It's like, hey, if we can play this way, we got a chance to finish the season strong, hopefully win the division, and continue that kind of formula into the playoffs. And you know, if we can really execute it, it's one thing to have it on paper, this is the way we want to play, but then to go out and execute it against the teams you have to face in the playoffs, if you can do that, um, you can win your way. You can play these games your way, and you can win your way, and it'll be one of those situations where people will be like, well, you know, we didn't know if they could do it that way, but, you know, if they can if they can pull it off, um, I, I think it'll be a very vindicating thing for them because I think they really believe that they can play that way and they can win that way. I think if they didn't, they would have deviated by now. So I think they truly believe that they can. So, you know, we'll see. We got the rest of these games, like I said, in, in the regular season. And uh, it's, it's it's nice to know that you've got a confident quarterback in there and, and Snoop, uh, to Kerry's point, hopefully he clears protocol so he can be in there and play. But even if you had to go to Anthony Brown, uh, you feel like you could, you know, have a game plan that would allow him to – manage the game again be that game manager role and really kind of let the run game um take the lead and 
maybe just have some throws for him that are comfortable rhythm type throws and you know you're not forcing him into a situation where he's got to drop back a bunch against coverage because um, that's hard on any quarterback but particularly one who hasn't played a ton and is a rookie and, you know um in, a, in an important game on the road in the division so you definitely like to stay out of that situation <laughs> mm-hmm. if at all possible but if he does have to play i think that they'll have a good plan um for how they want to approach that game and then like like Tyson said, everybody's got a plan until they get hit. So yep. you see how it goes. <laughs> so did we have anything else we want to hit on or we feel like we're good for this episode? Anything else you guys want to touch on? Um, yeah, I had one question for you guys, kind of kick it around the room, see what you think. Um, from an office of game plan standpoint, um, one thing that you – can always say about G-Raw, whether you agree or disagree with what the tweaks or adjustments are, he's definitely a guy that week to week looks at things and attacks based off of what he sees uh, as far as how many runs versus passes he's caused, what kind of runs he's caused, those kind of things. Um, And from my standpoint, just looking at, like, I've watched um, a lot of the Eagles the last two weeks watching their offense, and they very much do the same thing. Um, you know, the, the Giants game um, last week, pounding them with the run game. I mean, they had some success in the air, um, but, you know, just kind of pounding them with that run game because they knew, you know, going in, Giants giving up five yards a carry. Um, in the run game, the week before they were playing the Titans. The Titans are the best run defense in the NFL, just about. You know, Ravens right there, um, but you know they 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 didn't opt to even try to attack that that run defense. They you know throw it all over the yard. Um, with the Ravens as constructed, do you think that they would be better served? going in almost with the same game plan every week, you know, running the same type of runs, running the same kind of plays. And I understand the the bind that kind of puts you in when people kind of know what's coming, but them knowing what's coming, but it being more effective as opposed to maybe not necessarily knowing what's coming, but you're doing things that isn't as comfortable for you or isn't as um, advantageous for you. You know, we talk a lot about all these condensed sets and how they throw on first down, but they're throwing kind of from condensed sets. So, um, you know, they're kind of, the process is, is right in a sense because you're trying to create an advantage, but you're almost putting yourself at a disadvantage because you're trying to do something in a condensed field, throwing to guys that really aren't guys that are going to do a whole lot after the catch. So that's something I think about. And I wonder if they just came out and, you know, every week, you know, this is what we're going to do. And, you know, you either stop us or you don't stop us, but we're going to play to this. Mm -hmm. 
you know, do, do you feel like that would be more eff uh, effective or do you feel like, you know, kind of go more with uh, week to week game plan, try to throw in some stuff to try to catch people off guard, you know, which kind of approach would do you think rest of season makes more sense? So what I'm going to go with is I'm going to say if the O-line is blocking that way, you can you can just straight up lean on bully ball and just say, this is us. This is who we're going to be. We got the personnel up front. We got the horses in the backfield to make this thing roll the way that we want it to roll. And we're going to line up and let's see if you can stop it. And, you know, with the Steelers, they knew where they were running. They knew what they wanted to run. They knew where they needed to be. They could not stop it in crunch time. And if the Steelers' defense, well, if the Steelers' defensive line with those dudes that they have, if they can't stop it, I don't see, you know, the the Browns' defense who, you know, struggled when it comes to run defense. Or the uh, or the Falcons defense being able to to pony up and man up and and be able to stop the Ravens run game either. So I, I'm I'm fine with that as long as the O line looks the way it did on Saturday and you know it, I mean on Sunday. Sorry. So if they can do that, then yep, I'm all I'm all on board with the uh, the bully ball mentality. Oh, Mike, you muted. Sorry, sorry. That's right. I was mistake. <laughs> I said I'll try. I'll try not to be super nerdy about this because <laughs> y'all know that's easy for me, <laughs> particularly since I, I I get into charting the run game and you know I've done a little bit on the passing game this year. I'm 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 not as up on that uh, as I am on the run game. So I'll separate it. Uh, the run game to me, and it's interesting that you bring that up, that question, Kerry, because I actually think he's scaled back some of the variety in the run game this year than that he's had oh, over man. previous years, believe it or not. Um, one of the things that he's done, and I talked about it a little bit on Twitter. I, me and this guy, um, his handle's Gully Squad. We go back and forth on on, on this, this. It's like a little thread we created on this one particular play. So he's got core runs, like every offense does, you know, in the run game. They got the core stuff that they like to do. For him, it's typically some kind of gap scheme play. Essentially, he's just going to be pulling an offensive lineman, at least one, sometimes two, sometimes three people, <laughs> essentially, if you throw in Ricard. Those are kind of his core runs, mostly power. And then um, – counter has been the big one that he's kind of added this year and what i've liked about it is it's been more of a system than just a collection of plays at times in the past as good as their run game has been i actually have felt like it's been kind of more of a collection of of runs at times than a system the thing that i've liked about him using that counter play this year is like he'll run it early in the game just kind of the base way right you're going to typically pull a backside guard, a backside tackle. And um, they like to have that read element, you know, with the quarterback in the gun and uh, or the pistol and the running back going into the mesh. Whether there's a true read on the backside, typically the side that the pullers are coming from, 
uh, is how I turn the backside on that. They're typically opening up that way. Whether there's actual read there or not, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Sometimes there is. Sometimes there isn't. But he'll he'll start the game with kind of just like the base way that they run that, which they may leave that backside guy unblocked. And, you know, for people who are trying to visualize this, we've all seen it. Think about those plays where you see those two off the linemen pulling and you see a backside defender chase the runner down from behind and make a tackle, right? And people are like, why are they doing that? Why didn't they block that guy? So this is where you get into the system of plays. This is my speculation. I think he does that because that's kind of the, it's like coming out and throwing a jab, right? And I, I want to see how you're going to defend that play, right? We're going to leave that guy on block. We're going to act like we're reading him. We may or may not be actually reading him, but I want to see how you how he plays it. Is he going to crash hard down the line and chase the running back from behind? Is he going to sit and surf at the line and kind of try to figure out if, uh, it's a handoff or if the quarterback's going to pull it. Um, and then based on what that reaction is, then he starts to work the counters. So then he'll go back to it. And the next time they may actually block that guy on the backside and still run the counter away from it. The next time it may be an actual read on that guy and the quarterback pulls it when the guy crashes and goes around the opposite edge. And typically they'll have a lead blocker coming that way too for the quarterback. Other times they'll throw a screen off of it based on what he does. Well, they'll throw an RPO off of it based off of what he does, all with that same counteraction with two guys pulling, whether it's the guard and the tackle, whether it's the center and the tackle, whatever, it's still that same counteraction. So I've I've actually really liked that he's done it that way. So there are times where it gets blown up or it gets shut down and you're like, damn, that's a stupid play. Why didn't they do that? He's trying to figure out how you're going to do it. And then once he sees how you're going to play it, then he adjusts throughout the game with that same play. So I actually like that. And I think that he does tweak things in the run game, even setting that aside for a minute. But the way that he typically does it, it's not like necessarily whole new plays or stuff that anybody hasn't seen before, even though they mix in some of that. We've seen the tight end sneak stuff and then the pitch to Lamar off the tight end sneak. Sometimes it'll be a whole new thing that you haven't seen before. But primarily what he likes to do is – It'll be a play you've seen before, but he'll try to exploit a certain matchup, a particular guy on defense who he either wants to block a certain way or not block uh, and, and reading, you know, based on how they've um, their game, you know, their film review and preparation has shown what they think that guy is going to do. So that's his tweaks. And he does make those every week, how he blocks stuff. So it'll be the same runs. It'll be power. It'll be counter. Sometimes it's even zone. We're going to run the same core stuff, but I'm going to tweak how I block it based on the matchup and based on how we think you're going to defend it. So he does that every week. So in that regard, could he say, hey, I'm not going to do that. We're going to block it this way no matter what. He could. And maybe that would create some simplicity in some ways, and maybe you'd have a few less of those negative runs that get blown up because maybe we're trying to do a little too much, right? We're blocking it too many different ways. <laughs> we, we can scale that back a little bit. So I think that's not an unfair thing to ask. Now, the passing game, that's a whole different ball game. That thing gets so disjointed at times. I, I would lean back the other way with that. I would say, yeah, let's get some core stuff, five to seven passes, Mm -hmm. And let's just rock with those. <laughs> let's, <laughs> we can, let, let's crawl. Let's crawl before we go walk. 
yeah, we can line guys up in different spots within those five to seven plays, or maybe keep them in the same spot, whatever, if we want to get super, super simple. But, you know, once we have a really good grasp on those and where we want to go with the ball on those versus certain coverages, because you're not always going to get the same coverage. Sometimes you will, but sometimes teams will switch it up. So once we get really good at those, and they have some of those, I want to make it sound like they don't do that now. They do that. They certainly have a handful of plays that they pass plays that they run every game. And sometimes the ball goes to different guys. But I think he has shown a little bit more variety in the passing game, at least in terms of a willingness to to call um, not only different concepts, but combining concepts <laughs> where it might be like, here's an element from this one. Here's an element from that one. I'm going to put it in the bowl and mix it together and make one new play out of it. Um, I think he's, he's really shown that since he's become the OC, but um, he does a little bit of that. So I, the passing game, I wouldn't mind it at all. I'm like, Hey, let's, let's get real good at like a handful of things here and just kind of go back to those and then, you know, work off of that. Basically the same thing that he does with the counter play. Same like philosophical approach. Here's this one play. Think about something real simple. Could be four verticals, right? We're two by two, four guys going up the field. And then we got a little running back checked out underneath somewhere. Okay, we can get to that in a bunch of different ways. We can get to that out of 13 personnel, which they've done. They love doing that in the red zone with Lamar because Lamar throws a good seam ball. So they love to do that in the red zone. We can get to that out of 11 personnel. We can get to that out of 10 personnel. Well, maybe not now. They don't have enough wide receivers. But you can get to it a bunch of different ways. But it's the same play. And maybe we have seen on film that defenses will line up to it a certain way and play coverage a certain way versus certain personnel and certain formations. So let's just manipulate that. But it's the same play. So I'd like him to do a little bit more of that. He does it. He'll do it like once a game or maybe twice a game in some of these things. And then you're like, hey, let's do that seven times a game. <laughs> let's keep coming back to that right. instead of going away from that and bringing in now a whole different concept that right. maybe we haven't run at any other point in the game. Let's just keep working that same one if we have some success with it, or even if you don't, because like counter thing, it's really to see how they're going to defend it. And then once you see that, okay, now when we come back to it, let's line it up this way with this personnel group. Now we should be able to exploit, you know, if they line up and try to play it the same way they did before. Now we should be able to exploit that. So that's a long-winded answer. You knew I was going to be long asking anything <laughs> scheme related. <laughs> that's that's a trap for sure. Um <laughs> But that's 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 my opinion on it. Hey, that that's that's why we that's why we're on a deep cover. Yeah, I'm gonna yes, take you deep if if you want to talk anything scheme related. I might not be making any sense or have any idea what I'm talking about, but there's gonna be a lot of talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can, but that was something I was just curious about. Um, you know, just uh, you know, I've been watching a little bit more of, of uh different offenses um the last few weeks and and catching them where i'm catching multiple games uh uh enough where i'm kind of getting a pattern of what it is they do and there's a you know a lot of um consistencies with some of these offenses where um you know they're 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 running a lot of the same stuff and then there's other offenses that are totally – I mean, they're running the same stuff, but they're 
pass or run ratio is changing based on the opponent. And, you know, it just it got me to wondering what would be the sweet spot for this team, this offense, um, to really just kind of maximize their shot. Yeah, and I, I think that that's, that's the right question to ask. I think that's the absolute right question to ask because, you know, we I think we've seen it this season. Really, you've seen it over the course of Giro's time as the offensive coordinator. There's really kind of two primary ways that defenses want to play them. You'll sell out to stop the run. Absolutely sell out. We'll put eight, nine dudes down there, and we're just going to dare you to do anything but run the ball. You can run into the teeth of that if you want to. You can try to you know, do quarterback read stuff with Lamar. That's fine. We'll put two guys on him on the edge. He's not going to beat both of them, and we'll just take that away from him, and we'll force you to drop back and throw the ball or, you know, show you can throw it in some other creative way other than a a straight drop back. So that's the number one way. And I think that's the one that they see the most. And then you'll see teams who try to be a little bit more balanced. All right. Maybe we won't do a complete sellout to stop the run. We'll try to mix it up. We'll bring a safety down every now and then we'll maybe do a little run blitz, you know, run pressure every now and then try to play it a little bit more balanced. And I think those are the teams that they tend to have a little bit more, success against because it's like look if you're not going to commit to stopping this run thing and we get that run going particularly the inside run we talked about this last night with Denard John Gruden said this way back in 2018 after they played the Raiders it was like Lamar's second or third game at quarterback and they won that game but he said the key to this offense the way it's constructed right now this was even before Giro had become the BOC but you could see that he had a bigger influence on the game plan than Marty with all the QB run stuff they were doing. Gruden said the key to stopping this is the inside run. If you don't stop the inside run, you got no chance against this Mm. run game. (laughs) You have absolutely no chance. Because he said if you can force Lamar, because you can can do things defensively when a team wants to do all this option type stuff to force the quarterback. You can force the ball where you want it to go defensively. If you want him to hand it off to the running back every time, you can do that with – the kind of looks you give him on the edge and the way those guys react. You know what I mean? You've seen Pittsburgh do it. They'll mess charge. They'll, you know, TJ Watt. Come you can force him to give the ball up all game long if that's what you want to do. And if he does that and you can't stop that inside run with the resources you have left to do that, because obviously you're committing a resource to deal with Lamar, they're going to wear your ass out. We've seen that. But he's like, if you can, if you can control and, and stop that inside run game and then – maybe force Lamar to pull the ball when he really should give it because of the look that you're giving him. That's where we've seen him get in trouble, right? Where yeah. it's really not a situation where he should be pulling the ball, <laughs> but he keeps it. And sometimes he makes lemon, you know, lemonade out of, out of lemons with that. But other times, you know, you'll see TFLs or you see him, you know, kind of running around back there trying to get out of bounds. So to me, that that's, that's where, um, you really kind of have to start with their run game. And I think when you've seen them have trouble running the ball this year, that's typically where it is. Like the the defense is stopping that inside run game and they've made a decision coming into the game that they want the ball to go to the running back. And once they can stop that guy, once he gets it, then we can control Lamar on the edge. And then once we can do that, if we can, if when we get the ball on offense, if we can put up points and get a lead, 
now we can force them to drop back and throw the ball, and that's not what they want to do, you know, with any kind of consistency. You know, can it be done? Sure. You can go back to that Colts game last year. Absolutely. And there's some other games, but that's not the world that they want to live in. They can do it. It's like being right-handed, trying to write with your left hand. You can write with your left hand. It's just not going to look as good. Right. <laughs> so, so it's the same concept with them dropping back. Not that they can't do it a bunch of times. It's not the world that they want to live in. So to me, that's like that. That's why I, I, I think the question that you're asking is the right question and kind of why it would make maybe some more sense for them to do that, particularly in the passing game, but maybe even in the running game to some extent, too. Um, because then I think you flip the tables back your way when that defense comes in and they say, here's what we want to do. We want to play it this way. We want to force Lamar to hand the ball off. We're going to try to stop the inside run. Okay. Now, if we've got those core things that we're going to do and it's not based on game plan per se, there's always going to be little tweaks. But let's say it's not going to be a really, really game plan-y specific thing every week. Okay, once you decide to do that, we have an answer for that. Here's our here's our two or three answers for that. And we're going to work those two or three answers until you stop those. And then if you feel like you have some success with those, obviously you're going to have to commit resources and do some different things. All right, now we go right back to the inside run. So I think when you do that, you take control of what's going on as opposed to the defense sort of dictating to you, hey, we're taking this away. We're going to make you play this way. You say, no, 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 go ahead. That's fine. We got answers for that. Now try to take those answers away. Oh, you, you want to spread back out and do that? Cool. We're going back inside. I would just do that. <laughs> I mean, it yeah. sounds simple, and that's certainly an oversimplification because there's a lot more that happens in the game. But philosophically, that's probably how I would think about it. And I think there are games where they do that, and when they do, they tend to have pretty good success. You know what I mean? When they do that and they don't beat themselves with, you know, pre-snap penalties or turnovers or just, you know, things that are within their control, they're very hard to beat. They don't, win a lot, they don't lose a lot of games when they play that way. So to me, that just fits in to their whole complimentary football mindset. And I'm, I'm surprised that they actually don't, don't do it um, more often than they do. They do it. I'd like, I'd do it every game. <laughs> this, this, this is what it would be until you literally take everything away. You take my inside run away. Okay. You take my answers away to, you know, you taking my inside run away, away. Okay. I go back to the inside. I still can't go back in there. Okay. If you can do that, then you got to tip your cap and say, you know, they were just better than us. But I want to make you go through all of that. I'm not trying to give you anything. You're going to have to force me. You know, you're going to have to prove that you can stop this. Yeah, over and over and over again. I'm just going to keep doing it. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah, give, giving, giving yourself chances to break tendencies. You know, showing something enough where you you get into that cat and mouse, where you get to see how the defense reacts to something, and then okay, now clearly this is what you're trying to do to stop this. Here's my tendency breaker for that. Yep. You know, it's a different offense, it's a different run pass ratio, but I think about all those Colts teams with Peyton Manning. They were running a lot of the same stuff over and over and over again. That's it. And what were they doing? Once they figured out, hey, this is how you want to play this. Okay, this is what you see. This is what the tendency is. What's the opposite now? How how can I break that tendency and just 
breaking people's backs over and over again with, with you know, big-time touchdown plays based off of that, just breaking tendency. Yep. And it's, it, it's, it confuses the hell out of me because that counterplay that I spent 15 minutes talking about, and I, this is exactly what they do on that play. That is the philosophy behind that play and the counters off of that play. Like you said, we're going to start with not blocking that guy. If he crashes down behind, okay, now we're going to go to answer one, answer two, answer three. And it's all dictated off of what he does. If the next time he doesn't crash and he sits instead, fine, we'll hand it off. Now we got one less guy on the backside chasing the play. If he decides he wants to jump out because he thinks the quarterback's going to pull the ball, all right, cool. We'll run it inside him. I mean, <laughs> you know, they yeah. do it with that play. So I'm like, all right, you clearly have the mindset and the approach to be able to do that with that one particular right. play. You could do it throughout your offense, you know, if you, if you wanted to. So it goes back to something I said. I actually got quoted on Twitter, which is usually <laughs> never <laughs> um, <laughs> but if you can do the mundane things, if you can do the routine things, just oh, like you said with the coaching, just do it over and over and over and over and over again. If you can do it at such a consistently high level, something speaking of the coaching, something Tony Dungy used to say, he's like, look, I need people who can do the ordinary things at an extraordinary level. We do that. We're going to be very difficult to beat. But if I can only count on you to do the extraordinary things from time to time, but we can't do the ordinary things consistently, we're going to be like a roller coaster. We're always going to be up and down. We're always going to have highs and lows. We're going to be inconsistent. So just give me the little things, the little details that we know we can execute over and over and over again. We talked about this on previous shows, you know, whether it's passing game, you can point at different things. We're dropping back. And you got a running back outlet, they almost never covered that against the Ravens. This <laughs> right. almost never covered. You can throw that ball for five yards almost every time you call that play, right? Almost every time. And they've done more of it this year because Kenyon Drake, you know, has caught some, Justice Hill has caught some. They certainly have done more of it. But that's the thing that the Peyton Mannings, the Tom Brady's, the Aaron Rodgers, even the Patrick Mahomes at times, and the Josh Allen's at times. When they've been at their best, not only are they making the splash plays, but they're executing the routine plays. And right. you feel helpless on defense. There's nothing we can do to stop these guys. Taking away the big play, they're nickeling and diamonds underneath. We try to take away that, they go over our heads. Uh, we try to you know, protect against the pass everywhere, and they run the ball on us. Or uh, the quarterback takes off and scrambles. There are no answers. You got nothing on defense <laughs> when you're, when you're executing at that level, the, the, the routine things, the ordinary things. So I think they could do that in exactly what, what you're saying. Let's go in with a core game plan every week. And here are our answers to those core plays. And we're just going to keep wash and repeat, wash, rinse and repeat, wash, rinse and repeat, <laughs> you know, all game long. You see it a little bit more with Snoop at quarterback. They actually do it a little yeah. bit more with Snoop at yeah. quarterback. They keep it a little bit more uh, simple, certainly in the passing game. I mean, he's probably throwing maybe four or five concepts, maybe. Maybe less than that sometimes, maybe like two or three, actually. Yeah, when um, you see those receivers sit down on those, on those hitches, <laughs> that ball is out. <laughs> We're going to throw this three-step hitch, yeah. <laughs> 
And, you know, I like it because, again, it's very simple. Everybody knows what they're supposed to do. And really, it gives him an ability to pre-snap read it. You know, it can be tough to process stuff after the snap because you got to be fast and things are changing and moving. It really gives him an opportunity to kind of pre-snap read it and then just confirm it post-snap because you're just looking at leverage. This guy playing eight yards off. There's no flat defender that can get underneath the hitch. Throw the hitch. Yeah, throw it, throw it, throw it, throw it, throw it. <laughs> we saw it in that Tampa Bay game in the first year. Rookie corner, he wants to play everything eight to ten years off, eight to ten yards off. We're gonna hitch him to death. Then he's got to come up and make tackles. He misses a tackle. It's easy. I don't want to say nothing's easy in the NFL. It's simple. <laughs> it's simple offense, and you do it until people take it away. When when right. done right and everybody executes, it looks easy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That guy starts to come up. He wants to try to press now because he's like tired of these hitches getting thrown in front of me. We'll go over his head. Right. Now that's a lower percentage throw. Requires your wide receiver to win, requires your quarterback to throw a good ball. But those are the opportunities you get. Those are the big the kinds of big play opportunities you get in the NFL. When they come, you gotta hit them. But you get that because you set it up with all those hitches where they want to roll a guy in the flat out there to come underneath the hitch. If you still want to play that corner off. Okay. Now we got space inside. Now our tight ends are eating. So it's all there. <laughs> it's all there. It's just about consistency with them, but you know, I don't want to make excuses, but you got a quarterback, new quarterback in there is as, as, as well as Snoop knows the offense, but he's still, you know, a new quarterback. It's not Lamar. Uh, D Rob first year in the passing game. Djax first year in the passing game. Isaiah Likely first year in the passing game. Josh Oliver essentially his first year in the passing game. <laughs> you know that leaves Devin Duvernay because Bateman's out and James Prochet, who they don't want to throw the ball to. <laughs> so you know it's almost hard to expect anything other than inconsistency. When I think about it like that, I'm like this is just not enough familiarity, unless you try to increase that familiarity with simplifying things for everybody. Those plays that you just talked about care. If we do that, you've been in the NFL for five years. You know how to run this play. Everybody's run this yeah. play everywhere. It doesn't matter what they call it. We call it something different here. It doesn't matter. It's four hitches and a little middle sit over the ball. Everybody runs that. So it can be done. But then when you get those opportunities off of that play for the bigger play, you got to hit them got to hit them. You're not going to get many of them. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Yes, sir. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Sounds easy, right? <laughs> it's this like is... being on the sticks in Madden. Anybody can call if it's the NFL. How hard can it be? <laughs> uh, clearly, I am 100% clueless. Maybe 1,000% clueless. <laughs> and it's way more difficult than that. Well, but those are just I, some of the things that I think we'd like to see. Look, Mike, I listen to the guy that says that he's clueless over the guy that says he knows exactly what's going on. Right. <laughs> All day, every day. And do you know how lost I would be if I had to sit there with that play clock ticking and I got to call a play? I would be. So, <laughs> I'd be looking at that paper. I'd be like, uh, <laughs> uh. I'll be in that headset one time and one time only. I'll be like, just do what you guys like to run. Right. And then I'll just turn the radio off the whole game and just watch. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. 
I would probably have 10 plays. I'd probably have five runs, five passes. And they'd be like, this this is this is peewee league. This ain't even high school. This is peewee league <laughs> offense you're trying to run up here. Hey, man, <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> I got these five plays, and this is what we're going to call all game long. <laughs> I don't even know if I could t- you know, dress it up with like different formations and motions and stuff. I'd be like, man, that's too confusing. We're just going to line these things up and we go run these things all game long, which, you know, it sounds crazy. But if you think back to like Chip Kelly, this is all they had basically was 10 plays, maybe less. Hmm. And it was just about tempo. We're just going to go fast. We're going to run the same stuff. We're not even going to dress it up a whole lot in terms of different formations or motion a little bit, but not nearly like what you see with the Ravens and 49ers teams like that. We're just going to go fast and just you know, put the pressure on you to get lined up to it as quickly as we can run it. And for a while, it caught the league off guard. And then eventually teams caught up and they just said, hey, look, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to have like little one word calls on defense. And we're just going to be really simple with the coverages and play the same thing and make them execute it. And then it, it became about that. It was no longer about speed. Right. They were able to out execute you at their speed you weren't used to being able to play at their speed and execute once we can play at your speed so we've leveled the playing field now it's about execution now it's about players and they kind of put an end <laughs> to that for Chip, you know because he didn't adjust sort of like we talk about with Giro. you you got to adjust to the adjustment you know what, what do you got next when team catch up to that what, what do you got cliff has done a better job of that i think because he started to run the ball a bit more. He started to use multiple tight ends, you know, after his first year. Like, like Kingsbury kind of adjusted to that a little bit. But, you know, now they got other they got other issues. <laughs> a plethora. <laughs> they do. I know one issue we'd like to help them out with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. Let's, let's take that off your plate. You you don't need to deal with this. You know, let's, let's take D-Hop off your plate. Let him come on over to the Ravens. It's one less thing that y'all got to worry about. You know, clearly, you know, Kyler don't want to do right by D-Hop. You can't be bad and expensive. You got to pick one. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, and now he what? He, he tore ACL, Kyler? Yeah. 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 So. GM just went out on a, some kind of medical that. leave. I saw that. He's on indefinite leave. So it's like, hey, you know what? You hate to kick them while they're down, but that's the best time to kick them because <laughs> then they can't kick back. They can't kick back. They can't in the words of the great stand from Martin. That's it. <laughs> can't do nothing but lay there and take it. <laughs> so maybe this is the time to kick them because they cannot kick back. You can just send that player on over here, take a pick, or you know whatever the conversation is, and. uh Let's keep it pushing, you know. D hop over there like our old Thomas back in the day. Come get me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Come get me up out of here. Even though I don't know. I don't know how he feels about playing with Colt McCoy. He might like playing with Colt McCoy. I don't know. I don't think he like playing with anybody that's gonna get him the ball. I don't know that he's real. Yeah, looking at those those Houston quarterbacks, he's just like whoever, like <laughs> stick whoever the back there. Yeah. That to me, he's the ultimate quarterback proof dude. Yeah, like the oh, ultimate. Because <laughs> he yeah. had a variety of uh, of dudes back there, and he always did numbers, regardless. Like it just it didn't matter who the quarterback was. So he, you know, we've talked about him a bunch. 
I don't know how likely it is that they even want to move him, what the compensation would be. Maybe he's got a no trade clause. Would he even want to come and play in this offense as it currently is led? Uh, <laughs> who, who knows any of that? But just isolating the player and, like Chris has said, his style of play, um, how we all kind of agree that it is going to to age. Um, it just seems like such a good fit. And his mentality, he's a physical dude. It just seems like such a good fit for this offense. He'll be, what, 31 or his 31? It checks all the boxes. <laughs> sure it does. I mean, you – I don't know what kind of voodoo you got going on, but you said this a, a couple of weeks ago, and I mean things have just been in motion to to get it. Oh well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean I you know I ain't got nothing to do with that. Uh, it just made all of the sense in the world to me. It's like when Sammy came, I was just like, I, I'm not saying Sammy is the answer to anything, but based on what was available. It you know his relationship with Dub and it it just you know had played in Greg Roman's offense before that it just made all of the sense in the world. Um, now we don't have those same level of connections this time around with D Hop um, that I'm aware of. I guess they're I guess they're assistant O line coach Devlin. He might have been in the Texans when D Hop was there. Well, when been. when they get rid of Giro and and bring back uh. Gary Kubiak, that's the connection. <laughs> oh, and what's the name? Their D line coach. He might have been there. Weaver. Yeah, he might have. He was with the Texans for a while. He might have been there when I don't know if D Hop was gone or not by the time he was Weaver was down there. And those guys are on defense. I get it, but you know, I'm always looking for any kind of crazy connection that I can find. Um, because you you know, I mean, I think that person that that human side of it is big. You know, you're, you're trying to. To, to sell that side as much as the, the football fit, you know, like, Hey, you know, this is a team you can come and be yourself. It's a good family environment. Ain't nobody going to talk crazy about your girlfriend being around the facility. Like Bill Bryan did. We know, you know, you can, <laughs> <laughs> you ain't got to worry about none of that. Here. You know what I'm saying? That's all good here. If you come here and you know, you, you're going to get to play with a team that is going to compete for the playoffs perennially, you know, it's only been one year since Lamar has been the quarterback that they haven't because he wasn't a quarterback during the, <laughs> during the time mm-hmm. <laughs> that uh, they would have had an opportunity uh, to, to you know, compete again for another playoff spot. So I just think there's a lot of attractive things uh, for a guy such as himself. I know he wants to win the Super Bowl and maybe, you know, thinking about playing with different kinds of quarterbacks. I can go play with Allen or Mahomes do numbers and do all of that. And, you know, that's certainly there, but you've made money. Dion. Let's go win. You said, I'm trying to win. He's I'm trying to win. <laughs> this is, this is where you want to do that. At. This is where you can do that. I'm making a recruiting pitch for D right now. People are listening, wondering what's going on here. That's what this is. This is a recruiting pitch. Yes, sir. You know, if his people are listening, we want you here. I want you here. <laughs> Please come. Won't you come? <laughs> like on Sunday. Is there one? <laughs> Won't you come? <laughs> D-Hop, I don't even know if you go to church, but if you do, <laughs> won't you come? <laughs> That's probably a sign it's time to wrap the show up. <laughs>
<laughs> when I get in the preacher mode, it's definitely a sign. All right. We good? You guys want to hit on anything else or we good? No, nah, I think we hit everything, man, that I can think of. Yep. We did. We did. All right. Only thing we can talk about is the price of strawberries. But, you know, this topic for another day. <laughs> they continue to be outrageous uh, there in New York. I don't know what the hell's going on up there, but we may need to get some national attention on what's going on up there. The price of uh, strawberries. Feels like a conspiracy to me. I, I got a plug, so I'm not even worried about oh, that oh, anymore. Oh, okay. well, never mind. Never mind that. Yeah, yeah um, I had to make backdoor deals. I had to, <laughs> you know, do the, you know, get the the strawberries that fell off the back of a truck mm. kind of deal. So, you know, I, I'm good on the strawberry front now. You in the uh, you in the dark alley? Who got that? Yeah, yeah, I I, I got the plug. If if anybody needs any. <laughs> we, we're paying him too much if he got money for a strawberry plug <laughs> yeah we're gonna need to uh reevaluate your contractual situation <laughs> with the podcast <laughs> clearly clearly we need to reevaluate <laughs> all right we gonna get out of here y'all i said we would <laughs> if you let me keep going no, i'll just keep going um don't forget to like subscribe uh download tell a friend to tell a friend share everywhere uh check us out on tiktok at deep cover pod you already know about twitter at deep cover pod um continue to tap in with carrie and his uh dfs lineups and sprinkle me plays every week those come out uh typically on saturday but sometimes yeah. on sunday um check those out because if you've been paying attention to his threads at all, you know, he's been in the money a lot lately. <laughs> and that could be you. <laughs> that could be you is if you follow along, you know, I was out of state last week, DraftKings didn't want me to be great in Ohio, <laughs> mm -hmm. but I'm back in Maryland <laughs> and I will definitely be rocking those lineups again <laughs> now that I'm back. So always, as always tap in with that because right now it's free. It will not be for much longer. Um, sure. So, you know, do what you need to do there. But um, y'all be good. And uh, until next time, we're going to get out of here. Peace.